You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 113 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, April 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. The show is on Twitter as well, at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single show. Locked On Raptors is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-specific shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke, and you can find those all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. This show, Locked On Raptors, is also available on iTunes. You can uh, just search for the page on iTunes. You can leave a rating or a review, and that is the easiest possible way for you to help out the show, show that you care, and help to move us up the rankings. would really appreciate that. On today's show, it is the Monday Mailbag uh, podcast that I uh, have made a custom here on the show. Uh, but first, we have a little bit of news to get to. Kyle Lowry practiced today, and that is the uh, thing that I think Raptors fans have been looking for for a long time. He wasn't a full participant in practice, and he mentioned after the after practice today that he's still a little bit sore in his wrist. There's still a little bit of pain that he's working through. Um, and I, I, it sounds like it's not like it's anything serious. It doesn't sound like a setback or anything like that. It just sounds like it's the regular progression of him coming back from wrist surgery. And uh, it's Tuesday will be the five-week mark of his surgery. Uh, if you looked at that Woj report from before the uh, right when the injury happened, he had four to five weeks. You had uh, most people saying you know four to six weeks would probably be the likely sort of timeline for Lowry to come back. So it looks like he's right on track, and there's a good possibility he plays at some point this week. It sounds like maybe Friday would be the time to pinpoint the Friday game at home against Miami, and then you would have three games remaining before the All- before the playoffs for Kyle Lowry to get back incorporated into the offense and to uh, Serge Ibaka and P.J. Tucker. Uh, P.J. Tucker also practiced today, by the way, after missing Sunday's game against the Sixers with a little knee injury. We're not going to talk about the Sixers game today because that game was uh, one of the more boring games I've ever watched, and it was just sort of a rudimentary Raptors win, and there was nothing really to talk about. But either way, P.J. Tucker missed that game. He practiced Monday, and uh, Kyle Lowry... It sounds like we'll be back sometime this week. And then it gets interesting in terms of how you want to use Kyle Lowry coming up, right? Because, uh, you know, the Sunday game that the Raptors have against the Knicks in New York, against such a bad team, like the Knicks are just going nowhere. They're probably tanking. They're looking to get a better draft pick. I would not be surprised if the Raptors sort of just rested dudes in that game. It's a noon noon, noon o'clock. It's a noon start in uh, in New York and uh, on, on Sunday. And it just kind of makes sense to rest some guys. Raptors had an early start this year against Brooklyn earlier in the year, and Kyle Lowry sat that game. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Raptors sat some guys in this game. Maybe he didn't even send like DeMar DeRozan to this game, but uh, there's also the sort of thing to balance too, where if you have Lowry back, you want to get every rep you can get in with him and Serge Ibaka and P.J. Tucker and the whole, whole offense together. So that's something you have to factor in too. Um, it almost seems at this point like the Raptors have the three seed locked up. If the Raptors go 3-2 and two for the rest of the year, the Wizards would have to go 5-0 and oh to pass the Raptors in the standings for the three seed. So really, it seems pretty locked up that the Raptors are going to be that three seed so they can kind to play with it with a little bit down the stretch here and uh just kind of go with you know you know I, i'm not i'm honestly not sure what they're going to want to do because there, there's sort of two things as i mentioned you can either try to get lowry some more reps with the with the starting lineup and get him more incorporated with everybody on the floor or you can try to factor in rest i would not be surprised if demar Derozan rested for sunday's game and then everybody else played that kind of would make the most sense to me you get lowry a game with Ibaka, with tucker um and, and just sort of 
figure out the rotation that way, and then maybe the the game against the Cavs on on Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday, or if you or if Lowry's back on Friday, maybe you use both of those games as sort of dress rehearsals to try to figure out your playoff rotation and get it set going into the playoffs because that's one thing that really hurt the Raptors last year. Remember, they went in without really a set playoff rotation. You had Luis Scola still playing until a couple of games into the first round, and the the, the playoff rotation wasn't really set. Uh, until deep into the playoffs and you know it'd be nice to have the Raptors set up with what they want to go to the eight or nine guys that they're going to rely on come playoff time uh, and have that sort of you know set in stone before you get into the playoffs because that'd be nice to just sort of know where guys are coming off the bench guys knowing their roles you know Dwayne Casey has really preached the importance of that over the years so maybe that's something they'll try to do it's really sort of difficult to gauge because again we still have to see when Lowry comes back and if he's not back until you know the Sunday game against the Knicks or the Wednesday game uh, against the Cavs and it's a different story but if he's back Wednesday against Detroit you know this Wednesday sorry not not next Wednesday the, the 12th but this Wednesday the 5th or if he's back on Friday against the, the Heat then maybe you can sort of try to find one game to get some rest in there while also having a couple games to get Lowry sort of incorporated back with the full complement of guys. Either way, uh, it's going to be interesting, and Kyle Lowry practicing today is a very, very good sign. Dwayne Casey said over the weekend that, you know, it wasn't necessary for Lowry to even have a practice before coming back in the lineup. They would have been comfortable just reinserting him anyway. So the fact that he's gotten a practice in and might get more, though it'll be hard to find a window for practice this year. This week, they have a back-to-back, of course, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, you would imagine after a back-to-back with the game on Friday, they won't have a practice, but... Uh, you know, the fact that Lowry got this one in is really good, even just for the sort of, you know, commingling with guys like Abaka and Tucker, just getting that, you know, even if it was a couple, you know, sort of practice drills or run with those two guys, it's it's something, right? It's something to build off of. So that that's good news, and the Raptors are in a good spot now with Kyle Lowry coming back. Of course, they're on a nice little run here where they're just kind of mowing down teams, and it's been pretty easy, and this week is not overly difficult. The Pacers... They had a really tough game against the Cavs on Sunday, and they're still fighting for a playoff spot. They're in ninth right now in the Eastern Conference as we talk right now. I'm uh, recording this on Monday night. Uh, there's only one game in the, East, in the NBA tonight. It's a Western Conference game anyway, so things will stay the same. But uh, So the, the Pacers are in ninth. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Of course, the Bulls are moving back up. They might end up being the Raptors' first-round matchup if they uh, you know, capitalize on a really easy closing schedule. I believe they play the Sixers, the Nets two times, the Knicks, and the Magic down the stretch here. So... There's a really good chance the Raptors and Bulls are going to be that first-round matchup unless Atlanta can kind of get its crap together and win some games here and stay in the sixth seed. Either way, I think the Raptors are pretty well set up. I think they can beat either of those teams in the first round, but it's just something to keep an eye on there uh, in terms of the standings race. But yeah, everything's looking up for the Raptors right now. Things are going smoothly. No one else has gotten hurt, knock on wood. Uh, that, that, that would have been, you know, a, a pretty bad thing to happen if we were waiting for Kyle Lowry to come back for all this time and someone went down. But no, that hasn't happened, and the Raptors look like they're pretty well set up to go into the playoffs. Uh, regardless of who they play in the first round, if they have Lowry back, I think they'll be a pretty obvious favorite. And then you look at the second round, and maybe it's Cleveland, maybe it's uh, Boston or whoever, but... Uh, you know, they'll come across the second round matchup when we get to it. And we won't really talk about that today. But today's show, again, it's uh, it's the question show. So let's get into your questions here. First question here comes from at Primo Pasta underscore. Would you rather the, that Cleveland finds its footing and reclaims first so the Raptors don't have to play them till the Eastern Conference Final? Or would you rather they continue to poop emoji the bed? Um, I honestly, I think at this point, if the Raptors were to come across them in the second round, that's probably the best time to find them. I mean, we saw last year, it might not even matter anyway, Cleveland really sort of hit a new gear in the playoffs, and and they got round one against Detroit, and they totally blew them away with some just absurd offense, just hitting threes from all over the place, setting records for threes made in playoff games. 
that you know that could very well happen with Cleveland, and it could be sort of academic from there. But I do think if you're going to hit them, it's probably the second round where you want to do it before they've kind of gotten enough time to sort of round it to form. Maybe they haven't played a real opponent in the second round yet. I mean, if you have, give them the chance to hone their sort of craft against a Wizards team or, or, a, or a Boston team in the second round, probably the Wizards, I mean, that that would be tough because, the, you know, I still think Cleveland will win that series and they'd be sort of sharpened to beat that team to come to the conference finals to play the Raptors, ideally. I mean, that, that would be, I mean, that'd be tough for the Raptors for sure. But, you know, if the Raptors were to come across Cleveland in the second round and take them on then before they can get into form, maybe they had an easy first round matchup where they didn't really need to hone anything and they were just kind of drifting through it maybe that's a chance to beat them either way i still think the raptors no matter when they play cleveland are more equipped to, to handle them this year than they were last year just considering the, the lineup versatility they have and the sort of pieces they have on hand i think they're more equipped i think there's a better chance they could beat cleveland i still don't think it's the, the more likely outcome but i think it's definitely possible if things fall in the right way so i just kind of think just like let it play out if the raptors come third and cleveland comes second like deal with it it's fine if they come across them in the second round this entire season was built on you know you know stacking up next to cleveland anyway and if the raptors give a better fight or even beat cleveland this year like either way it's a success for the raptors this year no matter when they come across them it could have been the first round if the raptors and cleveland matched up as a four or five in round one and the raptors gave them a tough matchup this scene the season was always going to be judged next to cleveland and nobody else so uh, where Cleveland finished doesn't really matter, and if the Raptors come across them in round two, maybe it's a better chance to get them while they're not quite at full form yet. Next question here comes from Evan at Evan Higgs on Twitter. What former Raptors small forward in their prime uh, would you like to start next to the current starting lineup in the Raptors prime? Sorry, so excluding Vince as well. Uh, lots of caveats on this question. I think I'm going to say Anthony Parker. Um, in his two seasons with the Raptors, he was just really solid defensively, and more so, he was just such a good three-point shooter kind of forgot how good of a three-point shooter Anthony Parker was in his two years. Uh, first season, he shot 44.1% from three. The next season, he shot 43.8. Like, that is some elite-level three-point shooting at a time when three-point shooting wasn't quite as, uh, you know, focused in on as, a, as it is now in today's NBA. And he was just damn efficient for the Raptors and was just a good all-around glue guy. So he might look really nice next to the starting lineup just as a low-usage low dude who can just stand in the corner and hit a ton of threes. Uh, it's kind of weird that a guy who shot that well only shot three and a half threes a game. Like, that's a guy who maybe in today's NBA shoots like six threes a game, considering what he was as a three-point shooter. Even his entire career, he just knocked down threes. Uh, over his career, after he came back especially, I mean, before he left uh, the NBA in the late 90s, uh, he, you know, didn't really shoot threes at all. But when he came back, he was a 40% three-point shooter, or even better, uh, to finish out his career. So that is uh, some, some really impressive numbers from him. He would have been a perfect fit next to these guys, I think, in, in Lowry and DeRozan, just as a low-usage dude standing in the corner, that safety valve. Uh, that would have been nice, for sure. So that's my pick. Uh, next question here comes from Rob Oldham. Which youngster will have the best career? Pirtle, Powell, DeLon, Van Vliet, Bebe, or Bruno? And he adds in, maybe we should leave Bruno's name out because too obvious, number one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Bruno thing, Bruno will see. I, th I still think he's got a chance to be a rotation guy at some point. We will talk about him later this week. I'm going to have Adam Johnson from D-League Digest on later this week to talk about the D-League playoffs, so stay tuned for that. We'll get into Bruno as well. Um, but I'm going to leave Bruno out of this as well. I think Jakob Pertl or DeLon Wright might be my answer. I think it's probably Pertl just because I think his defensive upside as a sort of anchor kind of guy is really high. I still have questions about Norm Powell's shooting. I don't know if it's ever going to come around. His jump shot seems pretty wonky and broken at this point. He's got a lot of really nice things going on for him, too, and I'd be kind of dumb to sort of 
underestimate Powell. He seems like the kind of guy who's going to add stuff to his game every single year. And he's so athletic. He's got such a nice building block for what he is as a player with that athleticism, that ability to just get to the rim whenever he wants, that it's hard to bet against him. But I really think Pirtle's defensive sort of upside is high, and I, I love his offensive rebounding. He's really smart. He just knows where to be at all times, no matter what side of the court he's playing on. And I do think as he develops, he's going to become a nice role man. I think in uh, in college, he really sort of flashed a little bit as a nice ro- role man as well, being able to throw throw down some dunks. He you know even had a little bit of ball handling too. And this is in college, right? But like he was a really solid, just sort of you know startling athletic player as a guy who's seven feet tall who could really sort of put the ball on the floor, get to the basket from you know the top of the elbow or whatever. You know he's not driving and, and kicking from the perimeter or whatever. He's not Demar Derozan, but. Uh, just his ability to sort of handle the ball. He's got really soft hands. I really like Jakob Pertl's upside. And DeLon Wright's passing is kind of insane. If, if he could add a three-point shot, DeLon could be super scary. I'm not sure if that'll happen. I, I kind of bet against that with a lot of guys just because, you know, I think it's hard to change your shot. As much as we like to say, hey, you know, this guy became a great shooter or this guy turned his shot around or totally reworked his mechanics. I think there are a lot more failures than successes when it comes to guys who rework their jumpers. So I kind of wait to see it happen before I just sort of, you know, project it as happening because it is a difficult change, especially if you're completely altering your mechanics. Like it's a real sort of change to undergo. Um, it's like a pitcher kind of altering where he's going to throw from, his arm slaughter, his mechanics. Like, it's a really difficult process to undergo. And if, if they can do it, then I'll buy into it. But I have to see it first. And I, I haven't seen that with Powell or DeLon right yet, just yet. So for me, I think Pirtle shows the most sort of usable skills as of right now. And I think his defensive upside is really high considering his mobility on defense and just his intelligence. He's just, he knows where to be. He, he can read the play really well. And he's a really nice pick and roll defender. Like he just kind of knows when to sort of hedge, when to flash back. And he can do everything so quickly in such fluid motions that he really is a really smooth defender in that regard so I would go with Pirtle for now if Powell and DeLon ever add three-point shots then they might be the guys I think Van Vliet and Bebe both kind of top out as like rotation bench guys but even if the Raptors can get them to be those guys down the road that's a success story for them and that's good development and that's just finding cheap sort of contributors for the end of your bench for really really next to nothing Bebe might get paid next year he might not though he hasn't been very good this season he's lost his job of course so there's a chance that he just doesn't get paid the way we thought he might earlier in the season. Maybe some team out there does it, but maybe they can get the Raptors can get him back on a pretty cheap deal after his deal is up next season. It'll be hard to say, but uh, you know I think both Van Vliet and Bebe have nice sort of bench backup potential, and that's good as well. Next question here comes from Adam Harris at Dark Canuck 14. How small is the window on this current roster? After signing number seven, are we basically basically looking at the same team that started this year? I don't think we are. I think you know first of all you're getting you know growth from the the internal guys like Pirtle, like Powell, like like DeLon, who were just going to improve what the baseline of this team would have been anyway uh, going forward. And then I think, you know, there's a real chance they've re-signed Serge Ibaka. I think there was sort of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge deal there uh, when they brought him over. He's good friends with Masai Ujiri. I think the Raptors are going to do everything they can to keep Serge Ibaka, considering they have his bird rights. With P.J. Tucker, it's difficult because, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just not sure they'll be able to play, play everybody. You know, if they're going to pay P.J. Tucker, they're going to have to pay Patrick Patterson. Like, one of those guys, I think, is going to be gone for sure. And then you're probably going to have to offload other sort of roster pieces as well to sort of, you know, limit that luxury tax bill. Because if they sign everybody back and keep everybody, if they re-sign everybody and keep everybody, it's going to be the largest luxury tax bill in the history of the league. So I don't think they're going to end up doing that for this roster. But I do think the window, if you keep Kyle Lowry around, you keep Serge Ibaka, I think the window is extended for sure. I think if you have the core of Lowry, Ibaka, DeRozan, 
season, that gives you a real shot. And if you're building that up the end of the roster with these first round picks or whatever, it'd be second round picks even, and these guys that you're developing, uh, undrafted free agents too. Look at Fred Van Vliet, right? Like if you are adding guys to the end of the roster who aren't costing much money and you're turning them into the rotation players, I think you can extend your window really, you know, however long you want with these guys, Lowry, DeRozan, and Ibaka, as long as they're not declining. And I still think it'll be a couple of years before we see a decline in either of those guys, either, you know, Lowry or Ibaka. Um, and I think, so even if they keep Lowry, yeah, maybe the team doesn't get a whole lot better than what it is right now, but I still think it can be pretty damn good and be a, like a real contender in the Eastern Conference and give the Cavs trouble every year, even if they don't get through, you know, maybe they give themselves the chance of getting through. I talked about this last week, of course, when I was talking about the Kevin O'Connor piece, but, um, you know, if you keep these guys around, the window is extended and it's a couple years longer. And I think you do everything you can to extend that window because, Having that window open is a lot better than having completely shut. Next question again from at Primo Pasta underscore Leafs. Just talk about how fun they are. The Leafs are damn fun, man. They are such an enjoyable team to watch. And it's just what a good time to be a Toronto sports fan right now. I mean, maybe there's not going to be a title out of this year with the Leafs or the Raptors or whatever. But I just think having these really talented, young, fun teams and, and these other teams like the, like the Blue Jays who are established and mean something and are you know competitive and have been to two straight ALCS like that is really fun to be part of as a, as a sports fan in the city and I mean this spring it's going to be off the hook I mean the, the Jays are getting started up again of course TFC just went to the MLS Cup final and lost um, you know the, the Raptors and Leafs here like it's just it's a really enjoyable time to be a, a Toronto sports fan. I'm digging it big time. So many nervous moments for these coming games for the for the Raptors and Leafs in the playoffs. I mean, it's never just chill. There's always something crazy going on. There's always something to be sort of tense about. And, uh, yeah, the beer's going to flow, I'm sure, and it's going to be a very tense time and a very drunken time, but it's going to be an awesome time, too. And this is... Just what you, this is what it's about when you're a sports fan. Having teams being good at the same time is just, it's overwhelming at times. There's so much going on. The idea of having like a, a, a Leafs, you know, afternoon or a Raptors afternoon playoff game with the Leafs evening playoff game just sounds like too much stress for one day. But at the same time, that is incredible. And that those things don't come around all that often. So it's good to cherish them while, they, while they're here. I mean, the Raptors and Leafs haven't been in the playoffs at the same time for, what, 15 years? It's been so long since it happened. And. I, I'm just really looking forward to getting the opportunity to chill and have fun and watch all these games, have games where there's two games in one day, or have days where there's two games in one day, and just sort of enjoy it for what it is and, and sort of savor it, because it's going to be a blast, and uh, the Leafs right now, I think they're blowing the doors off of the Buffalo Sabres, so uh, you know everything's good right now, and the Raptors, if Kyle Lowry comes back too, like they have a real shot here to do some damage in the playoffs, and that's kind of all you want, just having a shot. Having the opportunity to play playoff games, I mean, even if the, the ultimate goal might not be attainable, the sort of intermediate time where you're experiencing the playoff run and experiencing the up and downs of a game or, or a week in a playoff series, they really can't be beat as a sports fan. So enjoy it, Toronto. It's a, it's a lot of fun right now. Next question here comes from Badan Quad King. Has anybody had footwork as good as DeMar's on the Raptors ever? I don't think so. There was a play against the the Pacers, or was it the Sixers on the weekend? It might have been the Pacers on Friday. Just where he totally crossed up, I think, three Pacers with just like one sort of pivot step uh, and then a layup. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's footwork is absurd. He's made it, you know, the fact that he's turned himself into an enjoyable and fun player to watch, considering what he is and considering his downfalls as a player, you know, the lack of three-point shooting and whatnot, like the fact that he's turned himself into a player who is actually tremendously fun to watch is a really nice development something i would never have expected but 
Uh, Demar's footwork has a lot to do with it. He is just so smart at sort of you know just duping defenders with his with his footwork, and uh, just take a couple possessions to just watch Demar work and just focus in on his feet. Just watch Demar's feet for three or four possessions to see what he does because it's uh, it's something to behold. He gets guys off balance all the time. He just kind of finds himself little pockets of space. You know, the 12-foot floater that he pulls up for or he he threatens to pull up for, gets the pump fake, and then sort of makes a little step and then gets like a little little layup. Like, that is just a peak DeMar play. And there aren't many guys who can do that with that sort of, you know, methodical plotting footwork that he has. There are a few guys who can match that. So, yes, just watch DeMar's footwork for, you know, an entire quarter or five possessions or an entire game. You're not going to be disappointed. It's a lot of fun. Last question here, also from Badan Quad King. JV seems to be hitting a stride now. Are you hyped or are you holding out? I, uh, I, I'm looking, I mean, I'm just kind of looking at JV as the way I kind of always have. He's fine. He has his moments. He has teams where he performs really, really well against. And it seems like this season it's been weird where there have been stretches where the Raptors have played teams that he's been really good against. And then they've come across stretches where he's been really bad. And I think it mostly has been due to matchups, but it's kind of masqueraded as just slumps because of the sort of the weird sort of setup of the schedule. I mean, you had that, you know, December, January period where you just played a ton of teams over and over that really sort of exploit, you know, plotting big men. You had the Warriors, you had the Blazers, you had teams like the the Celtics. They played all these teams in succession. And I think it really sort of exploited Jonas over and over where I, I don't think he's that bad. I think it, it is very much a matchup based thing with him. And it just so happens that the matchups have either lined up in succession for him or they've lined up negatively for him in succession this year uh, for him to succeed. And it's just it's just kind of how the schedule has gone. And I do think come playoff time, especially depending on the matchup, if you get the Pacers, for example, if you get the Hawks, I think JV is going to have an opportunity to really flash what he's done in the playoffs before. He's such a good target on the pick and roll. His pick and roll scoring is just so deadly efficient, and that's a really nice weapon for the Raptors to have in the playoffs. And there are certain teams that are going to fall victim to that. And I think the Hawks, the Pacers, even the Bucks are teams that could really get hurt by that. There are other teams too. I mean, the the Bulls for some reason have really victimized Jonas in the past with with the pick and roll. Um, but again, that's not a, just on paper. That's not a matchup that you would think would kill them. But either way, even if Jonas isn't peak Jonas, it's not like the Raptors are relying on him anymore. Last year, of course, the Raptors didn't have a ton of front court options. They ended up resorting to playing Jonas next to Bismack Biombo for a stretch against Cleveland, and that's just not what you want if you're going to be a successful team. And I think, you know, this year the, there's obviously way more options. There's Patterson playing really well. You have Ibaka, of course. You have P.J. Tucker you can play at the four to go small. Uh, there's a ton of options the Raptors have right now. And JV, even if he doesn't hit his stride and continue it into the playoffs, I don't think it's going to hurt the Raptors as much as it would have last year, or as it, or as his injury did last year. Because when he went down, that was uh, that was really tough for the Raptors to absorb because he was doing so well and being such an efficient scorer when a lot of guys in the team weren't scoring all that efficiently. Uh, to, so to lose that really sucked last year. I think this year it's less of an impact if he's not playing well. But you know the fact that he's done this over the last little while and completely ripped apart third quarters as well. Bizarrely enough, it's uh, it's been really encouraging and a lot of fun. So. Uh, yes, lots of Jonas. I, I, I'm down for more Jonas. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him get more sort of touches down the stretch here as uh, maybe DeMar rests or whatever and, and Larry wants to get back incorporated with his teammates. I'd love to see Jonas get some more touches just to sort of, you know, refine and hone in his role before the playoffs. But he, again, even if he's not playing all that well, even if it's a matchup that's not great for him, I still think he's going to be just fine and the Raptors will be just fine even if he's on the bench. All right, that's going to do it for me for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, big week coming up. So here's what we got uh, on the wor- in the works for you. On Tuesday, 
I'm going to be chatting with Whitney Medworth. She's from SB Nation. She's from Indianapolis. She's a Pacers fan. We're going to be talking about the Pacers ahead of the, the Tuesday game against Indiana. Won't really focus so much on that game, but we'll chat about sort of the Lance Stevenson signing, the sort of future of the Pacers, their fight for the playoffs. It'll be more general stuff. So it's going to come out a couple hours before game time, but it'll be well, it'll, it, you'll be able to listen to it well after the game and it'll be totally not outdated or anything like that. Wednesday, fun episode. I'm going to be chatting with Adam Johnson from uh, D-League Digest. We're going to be chatting about the D-League playoffs. We'll chat about Raptors 905, who finished the season 39-11. and uh, I think the second best record in D-League history. Completely tore through the season. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse did an amazing job there. We're going to chat about the Raptors prospects there. We're going to chat about Bruno Caboclo, of course. And we'll talk about the playoffs and, and sort of what to expect there. Thursday, fun episode. I'm going to be chatting with Chris Zielinski, who is the head chef of the Air Canada Centre. Uh, and sort of designs all the stuff that you eat as a Raptors fan at a Raptors game. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how he, how he became a chef who runs an entire arena, uh, get into sort of the peak arena food and all, all that fun stuff. If you have anything you want me to ask, Chris, please let me know. Uh, shoot me a, a tweet at WoodleySean or send me an email, LockedOnRaptors at gmail.com. Uh, as far as Friday goes, maybe we'll do something to preview the Heat game. Not entirely sure just yet, but stay tuned for that. Uh, apologies that we didn't get to five episodes last week. Just the schedule got a little crazy for me, and I couldn't get one in on Friday. And there was just never a moment for me to do it on the weekend either. So I apologize for that. But we'll have five episodes this week. We'll have a full week of shows, lots of guests, lots of fun stuff coming up. Uh, so stay tuned. You can follow me on Twitter again at Woodley Sean. Follow the show at Locked On Raptors. Please leave an email, lockedonraptors at gmail.com, if you have any questions, concerned, advertising inquiries, anything like that. Please feel free to reach out there. Uh, you can go to the show, Locked on Raptors on iTunes. Please leave a rating or a review. I'd really appreciate the feedback there. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday with Whitney Medworth of SB Nation to talk about the Pacers, and we'll, we'll talk to you then.